Yo, everybody. Welcome to Talking with Apple's podcast, where we talk about everything mobile development. I'm your host, Apple's Pajapples, or just PJ. And thanks for joining us here on our first episode. Today, we have an amazing guest, Nick, all the way from Google. He works on the material design team. So let's just jump straight into it. Today, we're going to be chatting to Nick. Um, Nick is from Google. Um, he will be telling us all about material design. Um, yeah, welcome, Nick. Yeah, thanks, PJ. Uh, it's good to be here uh, in lockdown, but nonetheless, it's pretty cool to see another developer's face and to talk yeah. a bit about uh, uh, what I'm doing in my life in these weird times. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, you're, you're in Cape Town now, so like... Um, I remember you saying that there was a quite a crazy experience. You documented a little bit on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think that was quite Thank crazy. You. Yeah, I mean, I, I moved to Germany at the end of last year to take up this position at Google, which is like developer advocate material design. But um, obviously, it's been a bit of a strange past year for <laughs> virtually yeah. everyone on the planet, including myself. And when Germany went into lockdown, I did a few months in and decided I'd like to come back to SA for a little bit, just to like, yeah, see friends and family. Like I hadn't really built up a big base there. So although things were fine, you know, going into European summer, I was like, cool, let's try out some time at home, uh, which was a bit of a process, a bit of a, a deal to get back to SA and currently uh, yeah. seeing out the last day of my mandatory quarantine, but you know what, if it helps the spread of infection lower and saving lives and stuff, so be it, eh? Yeah, um, man. That's what it well, is. Good on you for, for staying in quarantine for two weeks, man. <laughs> I think lots of people are just doing whatever they want around the world, so yeah. But today we're going to be talking about material design, man. So um, yeah, I have obviously a few few um, questions for you um, around material, but I think let's let's start off with um, um, telling us maybe about um, what material design is. Um, um, yeah, let's start, let's start there and we'll take it from there. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, I mean, material design is kind of Google's uh, cross-platform, cross-product design system that they use to like essentially style uh, the UI and the UX and just generally anything visual or usability wise inside of all of Google. Uh, but it's also available to the outside world to use as well. And that's strongly encouraged. Uh, it's, it was introduced actually alongside Android Lollipop uh, Android 5 as like a revamped look and feel for the Android like uh, OS and also the yeah. apps that run on it uh, as a means of like, you know, um, refreshing the design. Early days of Android, a bit of the Wild yeah. West. Uh, Google wasn't too familiar about. Remember Holland? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, those were uh, those were some days. Um but yeah, material design is introduced then as like this new sort of like looking design system that was meant to sort of like 
lift up the quality of Android apps. Uh, there was this perception, and maybe a bit more than a perception, that Android apps generally lack the, the polish that you would get, say, on iOS. But this was introduced as like a way to sort of uh, tackle that and create some consistency between apps. Uh, and it all relied on this metaphor of like material. So like that your app, uh, you think about your app in terms of this like sheets of material, like paper or something that are like overlaid on top of each other. Um, a few other core basic principles that, you know, allowed for like elevation and shadow and uh, a few other things. Yeah, and that was like uh, in its basic form like that, plus implementations of this metaphor in the form of new like widgets that you would use in your Android app. So like the floating action button is the one that everyone like yeah. uh, everyone remembers, I would say, is like, you know, everyone had that little so-called bottom right <laughs> was there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then also like the colorful action bar at the top, um, and and so on and so forth, uh, and yeah, it, it it certainly served its need. I think it made Android apps, generally speaking, a lot more prettier. And also for developers, I think who didn't have a design team or designers who wanted to create apps that felt at home, yeah, on Android phone, uh, it certainly served that need. And then as time went on. Uh, it's sort of like Android apps became somewhat standardized and the complaint then shifted from like, you know, we have no consistency in Android to like Android apps are too consistent. Like they all look the same. It's hard to tell like a third party email client app apart from like Gmail, for example, because yeah. the flexibility is just not there. So then uh, I think it was in 2018 prior to me joining Google, if I'm not mistaken, that so this material design 2.0, if you will, was introduced, um, which is like a essentially this idea of material theming with like more flexibility, more widgets that you can use. Plus the big thing that happened was that like material became not just an Android specific thing. It was always sort of like said that it was technically cross-platform, but it wasn't really in, in, in the real world. Whereas then Material sort of backed this up with like libraries, newer libraries that came out for Android, then as well as that, the web, iOS, and Flutter. So okay. that's a lot of talking, but that's kind of a very brief history of yeah. Material, what it is. Um, uh, Material.io is pretty much where you would start, and it's a great resource for learning all that there is to know. Okay, cool, man. And like, I mean, you, you mentioned quite a few things in there. Um, you mentioned a design system. Um, for some of our viewers, they might not know what a design system is, because like you said, that people might not have designers, firstly, um, when building applications or websites, um, or they've just never worked with the design system. So maybe we can go through what a design yeah. system is. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point to make. Um, design system. It's, I'm going to try my best to do this justice. I'd say technically I'm a developer with a designer streak, but I'm going to tap into that a little bit. <laughs> this one. Yeah. Um, 
And I would say it's like a way to group the various parts that make up the screens of your app and make them consistent so that you get like a a consistent look and feel across the entire user experience of an app. So like if you didn't have material design in place uh, or something like you might imagine a design system as a way of saying, these are the specs for uh, three types of buttons that we can use in different places in our app. Um, it's like 40 pixels tall. The corner radius is five or six pixels or something. Uh, the color of the background or the thingy should be like blue and the text should be white. Um, and just creating that specification, whether it lives in a sketch file or a Figma file, could even be just like a markdown document or like a spreadsheet. It doesn't really matter what it is, but it's like the way of saying like, okay, you, you want to use a button in the screen. Here's what a button should look like. And that sort of same, uh, I guess, approach, almost like a systematic approach can be like extrapolated to like all different types of components. So let's say text fields uh, or like, um, like sheets or navigation drawers or like uh, tabs, stuff like that. Um, and then you can even go further and like make it so that your system sort of talks about like how should those components be used. So like, is it a good idea to have on one single screen tabs and navigation drawer and bottom navigation? Uh, yeah. Probably not because they're all like dealing with this idea of navigation. It creates a bit of like a, like a cognitive overload for the user. They don't really know which one to go for. So it's like essentially a bunch of rules and opinions and like, you know, then visual specifications in terms of like pixels and colors and dimensions and stuff yeah. uh, that make up like the various bits and pieces in your app all the way from like literally just like text to like more high level concepts like uh, the, the pattern of navigation or the transitions of the screens that happen when you click on a button and it shows in the new screen, which gives you an indication that they're like related it's it's honestly quite broad, um, but it it is something that you'll find like at least companies with a design team are likely to do. Yeah. And bringing it back to material design, material design is a, an approach to do this at like a Google scale for Google Apps, which has then been made available to the public to use in their Android apps and hopefully in other places as well whether they use all of material design like and adopt it fully or just even like pick and choose from some of the concepts, some of the specifications and components. So yeah. yeah, I think that's about it. Like it's a fairly it's a fairly in-depth topic that a lot of other people are probably gonna be a lot more knowledgeable than I am, but that's my understanding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I mean um i've worked i've worked in in some situations where we've had designers and we haven't had designers um and there's always the this 
this part where you're like, um, this is kind of becoming a little bit inconsistent. Like these buttons don't look like the mm -hmm. ones you've made for the previous screen. Um, and I think if you kind of have those kind of components and stuff um, uh, that are consistent um, throughout, a, throughout, I guess, a system, um, it makes it a lot yes. easier um, for the developers, but also the designers to probably design things. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like you mentioned, um, material design is something that's um, like for Google scale, um, where you can kind of have consistency. Um, but I mean, there's obviously people that are making their own design systems, um, or like you also mentioned, uh, they like fusing material design with their own components or making custom components. Um, yeah, so um, I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe speak. Uh, do um, is there other any other like um, design systems out there that um, kind of compete on the the Google scale or the material design scale um, that you know of? Yeah, so I mean, like, material design is one approach of design system. I think what you may find is that a lot of companies like to have their own brand uh, and personality yeah and like a, a, a and essentially their own spin on a visual identity for their product um but then like at the same time you've got like google's approach which for a long time i think was just seen as like you know the android way although they position themselves now as being uh you know cross-platform there is also something like Apple's human interface guidelines, which uh, are are different. They they're like a, a, a collection of it, it is essentially in itself a design system that recommends ways to you know display components uh, and and what they should look like and how they should behave on 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 Apple's products and in Apple's apps. So. At the end of the day, I think what ends up happening is that you've got like these bigger companies such as Google with Material Design, Apple with Hig, and then like, I mean, you've got the web, uh, which yeah. has really is quite an open space, uh, but perhaps with some opinions here and there. And with those three sort of like platforms or ecosystems in mind, plus added in, you've got like brands wanting to not just, you know, stick to the stock standard, uh, way of doing things i think what you end up with is like this hybrid where most digital products need to support like three platforms web yeah android ios and but they they don't necessarily want to maintain three separate design systems for each so it becomes this like blend of the of those three um of those three worlds with like minimal differences yeah. Uh, depending on the platform, like you may find, like, like the example I always used to see was like, well, the buttons on iOS, you know, they they containers like are flat, like they sit flush with the, the background, whereas on Android they have like an elevation shadow. But in that most other respects, it's the same. Like the the background is of a blue color, it's the same. They have like a white label. They might even use the same font. But there's yeah. those little subtle differences that tend to come into play. Um, obviously, that's in a way an attempt to 
feel at home on that platform. But it's not necessarily the rule. It's just, I guess, what ends up happening. Okay, and, and uh, yeah, and uh, I definitely agree because I mean I know that um, there are strong believers um, out there um, in different platforms where they're like Android should um, stick to Material Design and iOS should stick to um, uh, like the Human Interface Guidelines and the web should stick to whatever the web does, um, and they they say that obviously gives you a more familiar um, user experience at the end of the day. Um, because I mean, Android people are used to stuff like bottom sheets, um, uh, whereas, or they were used to back in the days, we used to have these tabs at the top, um, um, to, to navigate between things. Whereas in iOS, it was never like that. And I think when people started like mixing design systems together, um, then iOS users kept saying like, this looks like an Android app. And then um, Android users would say, hey, but this these people are trying to develop an app and it looks like the iOS app um, with navigation being different. Um, and I think design systems for different platforms might like help consistency. Um, but I mean, I think it is a bit of a yeah. difficult thing if you're, if you're trying to create a design system and it's very solely focused on one uh, platform. Um, trying to port it between others um, and actually making it elegant can quite be hard sometimes. Yeah, especially when you consider like cross-platform frameworks like Flutter or React Native when, yeah, uh, although some of them do like, you know, delegate the UI part out to the platform or they try to split that. Sometimes they don't where you get this like, you know, single experience for both platforms, which needs to sort of like feel like it's at home on both platforms it doesn't always work that way yeah um and at the end of the day like i guess it becomes a question of like what what why is an i why does an ios app feel like an ios app why does an android app feel like an android app and i guess what that usually comes down to is like what choices have uh you know apple or google or whoever else uh decided on for their like core OS user experience and then also the apps that they themselves publish as like the ones that come pre-installed on the phone, for example. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of like drives the the narrative for like what you know, what does an, an iOS user experience look like? What does an Android user experience look like? Yeah. But I do think there's some like in a way those two worlds are coming closer together in a bit. Uh they may have different names, components may be used differently, and of course there are still some differences, but certainly think the success of those both those platforms over the years has led to like almost some borrowed ideas, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah, so like maybe maybe segueing um a little bit into a little bit more Android focused stuff. So um I know that um the material design components are like open sourced on GitHub. Um and they get worked on over there, um, which is awesome. Um, and but I mean, we also have this new um, oh, I don't know layout system thing that Android is kind of um, coming up with, which is Compose, um, this declarative way of doing UI. Um, and I mean, obviously, um, from a material design point of view, you guys are building these components probably for the the system that we have at the moment. 
Um, I mean, yeah. I personally haven't played around with Compose. Um, I'm waiting kind of till it gets to a beta stage where I feel like things are a little bit more stable. Um, but how does Material Design fit into um, this whole new Compose world um, in Android? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think you're going to be the first of many to ask that in the coming <laughs> months, especially. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I guess I'll go back a little bit further to give you a little bit of a history in that like material design was introduced specifically like alongside Android Lollipop as like this new design language. Uh, and back then we still had uh, the support libraries for Android where like, you know, you'd get a support library uh, release that was tied to the platform release. So usually be versioned like 28 dot something dot something or uh, 27 dot whatever. Um, and this was in this like android.support.design package where you could get all of the additional things like fabs, bottom nav, uh, tabs, all that good stuff that came in the support library. Uh, this was obviously still pre compose anything really at this stage. Um, but then when Android X rolled around, uh, you know, the support library got split into separate packages instead of bundling everything all up into one support library. And uh, in that process where things got split out, material, the, all everything material related got shifted to this material components for Android library, uh, which as I said, lives on GitHub um, and is currently maintained by the material uh, Android engineering team. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like a brief history of where we are now in terms of material design on Android and that if you wanna have material components in your app, what is generally a material design experience, including other things like not only components, but things like, um, material theming, uh, dark theme, material motion, all of which I'm happy to discuss later if you want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, that's the library to really use. Uh, and they've, you know, it's been consistently updated and new things get added, new components get added, new features uh, to really keep up with the material design system specification that you see on material.io as like, an implementation of that that you can relatively easily use on Android. Uh, but this all relies on the traditional way of building Android apps, at least from the UI side, if you will. Yeah. So XML layouts uh, uh, and inflation uh, using sort of like uh, views and the view hierarchy to, um, you know, create like widgets and screens uh, and, and use these with things like fragments and activities in your app. Um, and that's obviously the current way of doing things. It's going to be, I think, the most prominent way of doing things for some time, even after Compose, you know, goes into a stable release because it's the, yeah, it's been the way to build Android apps since the beginning of time, really. Uh, yeah. And obviously, a lot of companies and, and apps have invested loads of their resources into uh, 
into building up code bases, complex code bases, and libraries that rely on all of this. But with that being said, uh, considering that it's been around since the beginning of time, there's like a sort of, it does come with a fair bit of legacy. Yeah. So there's code in these libraries and in the platform and in these support libraries that has existed uh, for a long time. And it just leads to like workarounds and stuff to handle compatibility and inconsistencies and possibly even a few bugs here and there. Um, yeah. And so I guess the general idea is that Compose, which as you said, is this like declarative way of specifying UI, uh, which I'll talk a little bit about now, but it's like almost like a 10 years down the line, let's think about what we might do if we were to, yeah, rewrite the Android UI layer and the way that developers build UIs in Android uh, from scratch, given all that we've learned over the past 10 years, and also what other technologies are doing, such as React on the web, SwiftUI on iOS, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's that's really what it is. Um, it's like Kotlin first. It's uh, everything's written in Kotlin as like a declarative function, composable function. There's uh, it's 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 a very different way and different experience to build an Android app, but quite an exciting one, I think, that opens up a lot of possibilities, especially for things that are dynamic, uh, because it doesn't rely on static XML, but also like. Is hopefully going to you know start afresh and get around some of the like legacy that you know ultimately you can't really avoid when you've got a, a system like Android currently has. Yeah. Um, but in terms of material design, I guess that's where I'm most interested and in, which <laughs> plays into my role at Google a bit more. But uh, the interesting thing with Jetpack Compose is that Jetpack Compose out of the box, while it offers all of the foundational blocks, like you know, laying things out in a row or in a column or even in like a constraint layout type situation, there's actually a level above that, which is like the, they have like essentially a material package that comes as part of the core offerings of Jetpack Compose, which ships all of the widgets that you might use on your screen. And the decision that was made with Jetpack Compose is that it was going to be material design first. So the default button, for example, in Compose looks exactly like the button that you would see on material.io's uh, component slash button page, for example. Uh, and this is same can be said for virtually every component that comes with Compose. I'm not sure the first like alpha release will include everything because it's quite a big spec, but that is the goal. Um, and essentially, it's like material design first. And if you want to opt out of that, you can, but it's opt out instead of like opt in, basically. Okay. I mean, that's yeah. an interesting approach, actually, because I mean, at the end of the day, um, Android at the moment is actually more of an opt into things where you get everything as vanilla, vanilla views and everything. Um, everything is kind of built from like the ground up. You have a canvas pretty much to do whatever you want to on the specific canvas. Um, and now it's kind of a situation where you 
um, kind of been put into a situation where like, cool, there's this material um, design yeah. um, specification that we have um, and we really want you to use it. But if you don't want to, it's also okay. You just have to kind of opt out at some point. Um, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that will that will at least be quite a smooth transition for developers though. Yeah. I mean, just on your point though, like about the whole like, you know, how Android is currently opt-in, that's sort of that whole legacy thing I was talking about where like, yeah. You take a look at the sort of like hierarchy of things, especially for the current material design components library, that the one that uses XML, it actually is built on top of app components. And app component is built on top of the platform. So like you've got these three layers of like dependency with the platform sticking with that uh, example of a button, but like the platform defines a button app compact makes an app compact button to backport those features yeah. to lower uh, to earlier API levels. Then material has a material button that's built on top of app compact button, which styles app compact button to look like that in the material spec. Yeah. So in doing so, you essentially material button inherits all of that stuff and has to deal with a fair bit of the legacy that, um, that, comes as a result of that. Whereas Compose is like the inverse of that and like it is built as the material button from scratch. And if yeah. you want to opt out of that, you can. And the thinking is that because material design, you know, with the sort of introduction of 2.0 material theming, that it's flexible enough to give you enough options such that you want to customize it and stick to a different like look and feel even make it closer to some other design system that your brand or platform specifies that you can. Um, yeah, but then you asked about um, the transition for developers, and that is an interesting one because that's something that we are obviously thinking about quite quite deeply because it's uh, it's arguably going to be the biggest story. Um, yeah. and I I guess I like to think about it as, as like, like if you want to make an analogy, like the whole when Kotlin was introduced and we were de dealing with Java before that, like how did that transition go? Yeah. Um, and if we look back now at how it was handled, it was sort of like it was being adopted by the community more and more. Then Google sort of announced it as an official language and then slowly started adding support for it into its libraries, like with KTX libraries. And then it even became like, it got like first class support in Google's libraries and you started seeing certain libraries come out as like Kotlin first. Uh, that's happened fairly recently with like a new paging library, for example, where instead of being written in Java with compatibility for Kotlin, it's being written in Kotlin with compatibility for Java. Yeah, And it is now recently like, you know, fairly recently announced that it's like the recommended way to write Android apps uh, and Google's really invested in that. And if I see that being a similar situation with Compose, uh, where everyone's aware it's a big change and no one is expecting anyone to just suddenly switch overnight to like this entirely new system where you may have apps with thousands of screens, thousands of XML layouts, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So I guess the thinking is to provide hopefully feature parity with what you've come up uh, been used to already uh, yeah. as, as much as possible. 
but then also try and steer you in the direction of like, you may actually be able to write less code or more efficient code or just do it in a slightly different way to achieve the same thing and educate people on that. Specifically when it comes to material, what's going to be nice is that if, you, if you're using material components as a library already, you're going to be getting the same looking components and compose uh, from the get-go. And so the big recommendation there, I guess, from myself uh, and, and, you know, well, I guess I don't want to make it official until now, but it, it would be a huge thing in, in your favor to like essentially at this stage, if you haven't adopted material components as a library for, you know, your, your base Android UIs. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty good time to, especially if you're considering Compose, because the interoperability between those two is going to be easier than if you're just coming from, let's say, AFCOMPAT. Yeah. Um, worth mentioning here is that, like, uh, there's actually a currently a, a, a community level library that's created by Google, Chris Baines, uh, called Accompanist, which is a library that is a bridge between your existing XML themes and styles from the material components library and compose where essentially it extracts the XML values from your context, builds up a material theme in compose Kotlin for you to use like automatically. Uh, so that's pretty cool. That eases the transition somewhat and brings over like any themes and styles and material design concepts that you had and relied on before without you having to manually you know, like type it out. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure like that will be maintained throughout the, the whole process until it actually gets to a point of like a 1.0. Because I mean, yeah, obviously at the moment, Compose is very developer, developer mode. Um, so Yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, um, in terms of material design, um, going forward, we, you, you spoke about, um, stuff like material motion. Um, and that's something that's cool. I think, I think you wrote an article about that at some point. Um, I think, uh, I can't remember. not yet, but, uh, <laughs> my manager really wants me to, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I remember, I remember some, documents. some great articles. Yeah. I've seen some, I've seen some documentation, um, at some point. Um, about it or some articles that I've read um, and it seems really, really cool. Um, so what was the thinking um, around that in terms of um, like um, all this new stuff with motion layout coming out? Um, yeah. And I mean, previously we've always had, um, well, we've had some some cool APIs like um, the, the shared transition, shared elements and all of those type of things. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing it's kind of um, something built on top of that um, or something to make that a little bit better, make it easier to use. Um, and then, I mean, yeah. is material motion going to be, uh, I'm guessing it's going to be um, motion layout compatible. Um, yeah, maybe you can speak a little bit around that or how that, that whole thing works. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Like, um, I mean, I'll begin by saying there's no secret that like, Animation APIs on Android are crazy. There's a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you mentioned motion layout. You mentioned the the transition system. Uh, you there's there's like value animators and object animators that you can also use. Um, yep. In general, there's a lot. 
Um, for the material motion stuff, it actually started off as not anything necessarily to do with uh, how it's implemented, like on Android, but rather like some guidelines, once again, fitting into this like broad definition of a design system, but some guidelines of like, when you move from screen to screen, what should that animation look like? And, and in what scenarios should you use, let's say, one versus another? Uh, so the initial thing that came out was some guidelines, some updated guidelines from Material that were published on Material.io that sort of define these four um, these four types of screen transitions. It wasn't. It was like quite tightly scoped to just screen transitions uh, yeah. in in a way. Uh, well, yeah, loosely speaking, there are some exceptions, but. Um, it was just a way to like kind of say like let's think about common scenarios in which you know screens change and transition and move and try and cater for those and standardize those. So like the four types of material motion transitions that were proposed were um, uh, container transform, which was the one, which was like essentially kind of an evolved shared element transition, which takes like let's say an item in a list and expands with like a specific like uh, shape type of animation into like a full screen detail, for example. Uh, then the other three were uh, shared axis, which is like you kind of like blend the two screens along like an X, Y or Z axis. Uh, incorporating a bit of a fade, but giving you the idea that it's like shifting either left, right, uh, or up or down. Um, then the other two were uh, fade and fade through, which are a bit more like slightly more generic for situations where you don't need to necessarily convey too much meaning, but you don't want to just have like a static boom, like screen switch. Uh, and and those are slightly, as a name would suggest, rely mostly on like you know animating the alpha values. Um, so these four types of transitions were uh, proposed, like published on Material.io, and some you know design mocks were, were were there to see how it might look, let's say on Android. Um, and because Material Design incorporates both these days, both at design team and engineers who maintain the libraries that we have to use. Uh, that was shortly after uh, an update to the material components for Android library was published, which included uh, material motion. And the decision that they took to implement this was uh, with using the Android transition system. Uh, I think the reason being because this is typically what's used for screen transitions the most. Like this is like what you can use along with like fragments, for example, with like enter and exit transitions. It's what you can use with like the navigation library. Uh, it, it, it technically works with both activities and fragments as well. So for screen transitions, I think this made the most sense. Um, and yeah, it's. If you've ever done something like uh, 
that transition like a shared element or uh, just a fade transition uh, between Android screens, whether you did it in XML or programmatically, like it should feel pretty much the same. It just they come pre-styled in Material's way. Um, okay. And yeah, you mentioned motion layout. It's not built with motion layout, and currently there's nothing built to like add this. Nothing pre-built on top of motion layout, for example. That being said, with the specs published on Material.io uh, and the guidelines that exist, it's not impossible to think that someone could implement this using motion layout themselves. Um, but just it doesn't actually come as part of the official library. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, that's quite interesting. Because, I mean, yeah, I think... I think a lot of people are, are looking at motion layout, especially with the new uh, motion layout, layout editor in Android Studio. And they're mm. looking at it and saying, okay, cool. Maybe like animations are a lot easier now for me to create um, and and to add to my application to give the user that better user experience, let's say, um, when when yeah. utilizing their application. So I think I think that's something that's um, that's really, really cool. Um, but it's cool that you guys have the material motion also, because I think that's also something that's, um, I think people are, are always looking at these things and are saying, well, this is pretty complicated, um, the way you have to do it. Yeah. Um, so I think obviously making it easier, making the math a little bit easier in terms of just saying, cool, if you use this specific thing, it will kind of do that specific specification yeah. um, animation for you. So you don't have to really think about like, is it doing it smoothly? Um, are you hitting your 60 frames per second um, type of vibe? Um, yeah. 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 So I guess that's a, that was the idea. Like it was a choice from an engineering perspective to like use the Android transitions uh, framework to like, because I would say it's the one that fits into most people's architecture. Like if you're using fragments or even just activities, it should work yeah. with that. And it comes pre-styled so that you don't have to do too much of the extra work to get that very specific like duration or like how much does it fade or where yeah. does it grow and all that, all those very like like fiddly details that you especially get with transitions, which make a difference in that at the end of the day, but which can be quite tedious for developers to tweak. Yeah. So there's are they out of the box? But then if you do actually want to customize those, you can as well. Um, okay. Yeah, it's it's nice. I mean, I have used it myself. Like, you can use it for fragment to fragment. What's kind of cool is that you can also use certain things for, like, view to view transitions, which is quite interesting. So, like, okay. you, like for my, my use case so that I wanted to morph between on the same screen, like a fab and a card. So, like, you click on the fab and it, like, Expands. basically becomes the card okay. instead of just like showing the card, which, you know, it gives you the sense that like these two elements of the screen are related and looks pretty cool. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. That's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. And then um, a few things. I have some, I have some quick questions for you. Um, yeah. In terms of so, well, what is your favorite? What is your favorite um, material component in the library at the moment? You know, it's like then make a controversial. Have, <laughs> it, 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 it's like if I had if I had children, it's like which is your favorite kid? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but you kind of 
<laughs> but you can. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. What is my favorite component? Hmm. I think if I had to choose, oof, this is hard, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to try and narrow it down. Um, I quite like uh, extended fab. Okay. Which is like, a, it was like a new take, uh, like an evolution of the, f- the floating action button, which is that like, you know, circular button, but it includes a text level, but it can also like shrink to like go to a normal fab, but then expand to go back to uh, an extended fab with like a pretty cool animation. Uh, I think that's quite nice. Um, I think if I had to go for another one, uh, I quite like I quite like bottom navigation. I think it's like a it's a cool. I don't know. Like it was introduced relatively late along the line on Android because you know typically we just had tabs at the top that was swipeable. But I guess yeah, community. Yeah requests and general like design direction was happening even outside of Android sort of led to this being introduced by material design. And yeah, I think it's a nice top level navigation component. So if I had to choose, it'd be one of those two. I don't know which one to choose. <laughs> okay. It was very different, but one of those, yeah. That's quite interesting. I mean, cause I know that I like, one more. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I also quite like the toggle button. Okay. Toggle button kind of looks like a, if you've come from iOS, kind of what segmented control, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from at the top. Yeah, so Material Design has a sort of concept of a toggle button, which is quite similar to that. It just looks quite cool. It's got like, like the way the colors change, depending on like what one selected or not. So it's like, uh, it's quite interesting. Um, okay. So now I've chosen three and they chose, asked me to choose one and that's obviously not very helpful. <laughs> I get it, but it is, man. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's cool. Um, and then light or dark theme? Oh, <laughs> this is a, an interesting one. Are we talking about on my phone or on like my laptop while I'm working? Okay, so let's say let's say um, for user experience um, versus developing, um, like if you had to develop an app, um, would you um, and you had to use it? Um, would you would you want to use it as a dark themed app or a light themed app, um, or and then actually just developing it um, at the end of the day? Because I mean, I know Android makes it really easy um, with with theming. Um, to do this, but I mean, you still have to kind of like put some colors in and make sure that everything kind of like works quite well. So I guess two separate questions. Yeah. I really like dark theme on my phone. Um, also like, it's a bit of a, uh, it's actually, I, in my opinion, one of material design's strongest uh, forms of guidance. Like I really think it's a great, they really pioneered how dark theme should work. Uh, in material design so I'm a bit of like almost like I like how it looks on my phone but I'm also like quite enamored by the the, 
the cool nerdy aspects of like developing and designing a dark theme for a phone because it's not just as, you know as simple as you know switch the colors around. Yeah. So I think on my phone I'm going to go for dark theme. Okay. Uh, but I'm not going to lie, I use a light theme editor and I'm proud of it. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I also use light theme. I also use light theme editor, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, people say it's going to burn my eyes, but like, um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Coding in, in, in dark theme doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, something about it that I just find like the... Um, I can scan the screen quicker and like, I don't know, the legibility for me is much better with light theme. Um, I'm not sure what that's doing for my battery life or my retina. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Uh, but I opt for that. I catch a lot of flack for it, but it's my choice. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I won't lie. Like, I don't use Dark Theme for anything except for macOS. Um, and then for Android Studio, mm-hmm. I kind of change it to Light Theme because it kind of like defaults yeah. um, to, to Dark. And yeah. yeah, I I just, that's the only place I use Dark Theme. Otherwise, everything else, like my phone is Light Theme. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm, I'm like, I'm not a big fan. I like how it looks, but like, I would prefer lighting at the end of the day. I know a lot of people are probably going to be um, outraged <laughs> by that. Um, now we can have the, our little corner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of people on the other side. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I know that, um, like we mentioned previously, that um, material design is open sourced. Um, so in terms of contributing to, to material design, like um, I've, I've seen your name on some PRs there. Um, so like, or, I don't know, like in terms of um, contributing to open source, like um, what, is your, what is your thoughts around open source development um, and like, op- like actually developing this library in, in the open versus like developing like in a closed environment and kind of just releasing it mm. um, to people? Um, I don't know. Can you speak a little bit around that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think Google in general is very pro open source contributions um, and, and also developing in the open, like you know, with AOSP and, and Android X, you can kind of see exactly what's going on. Like, for example, like I think, like Compose. Before it was, it was even properly announced, it was visible for people to see there, even if they didn't know what it was. And that's yeah. just, you know, how Google does things. And material components libraries are no different. I think the, the one difference with the material components libraries versus, say, like some other Android X libraries is that um, it, it lives on GitHub. And personally, I find that for open source contributions, uh, GitHub is a much better user experience for external developers to contribute to. I mean, it's um, arguably the easiest um, way to, you know, like fork a repository or clone a repository, open a PR, and and the the user experience is really good. Um, And so in that way, I, like prior to joining Google, uh, was using the material components library quite a bit um, and would periodically, if I found a, something, a bug, or like I thought about a feature request, I would either 
well, you, well, either way, it would create an issue on the material components for Android GitHub repository, and then optionally, you know, submit a PR for that. Um, yeah, and it's it is one hundred percent encouraged now since joining. I can I can vouch for that uh, totally, and it's definitely encouraged. Like if if you pick up something that isn't working for you, or you have a feature request, or even if you want to fix it yourself and file a PR, um, that's like it's totally totally encouraged. And uh, yeah, I personally think it's a great aspect of. Um, yeah, open source in general. Like, I think it leads to the improvement of the library. Um, like, I guess us on the material design team, we are we do tend to get a lot of requests and a lot of issues, uh, and sometimes quite a few PRs as well. And yeah, it's it's a fair bit to get through, but I think we're doing a fairly decent job, or at least a better job at. Yeah, processing those, like checking out the PRs, like engaging with the developers, and then coming to a conclusion: is this is this a good thing to do, or is the PR submitted fine? Do a bit of a code review, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's totally there. And what's cool is that um, uh, Material Components for Android has like a, a snapshots uh, version of its library. So even though you let, let's say you might file a bug. Uh, or a PR, and, and it, you know it lands into that code base. Um, typically, you'd have to you know wait for the following release, which may yeah. be a few weeks out, maybe in a few months. Whereas uh, they, the team has set up uh, on the GitHub repo these nightly snapshot builds. So uh, you can, although while obviously it may not be what your what you want to use like day to day, yeah, a snapshot build, considering it maybe have some instability, it at least gives you a way to like perhaps verify the changes that you've made and check that it works, and then I guess wait for the library release until you commit to it. But in general, yeah, go for it. I would encourage it. Um, in addition to that, like even if you don't feel comfortable dealing with GitHub. Uh, I try to be out there on places like Twitter or uh, Slack or Discord, uh, Stack Overflow, stuff like that, to engage with people who may yeah, have questions or have issues and in turn translate that feedback into stuff like GitHub issues or GitHub PRs or just general feedback to that engineering team. So. Okay, good. Cool. All good yeah, stuff. Man. Yeah, Opens is really cool. Um, and it's cool that you guys I didn't actually know that you guys have the the nightly snapshot builds, and that's really cool. Um so that's something interesting for at least people to to know about, um, if they didn't know already. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, that's pretty much all I have for today, man. Um, thanks so much for joining me. Um, this was really awesome and pretty informative. Um where can people find you on the socials? You mentioned a few things there, but um, yeah, maybe you want to just do a shout out to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm on most of the social places, I suppose, like as I mentioned, like Twitter, Slack, uh, Discord, GitHub, Stack Overflow, stuff like that. 
Um, and I guess the good decision I've, one of the few good decisions I've made in my life was to use a consistent username across all of those. So I don't have to, nice. uh, <laughs> I don't have to deviate, but the username is my name, but you switch <laughs> the first letter of my first name and the first letter of my last name. Why that is the case is a story for another time. But anyway, <laughs> it's instead of Nick Rout, Rick Nout, like R-I-C-K-N-O-U-T. Um, this has led to me being called Rick on more times than I care to admit. But anyway, my <laughs> name is actually Nick. That's just my handle. So hit me up on any of those places. Um, happy to to chat. Happy to... Uh, yeah, if you're looking for something related to material design or I guess Android in general, or just, I don't know, other stuff as well, I'm, I'm available. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Cool. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on this inaugural edition of the yeah. name of show. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so it's been good. It's nice to like reflect on some of this stuff. Uh, I hope it's informative to anyone who wants to use material. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Sweet. Cheers, man. Thank you for joining us on Talking with Apple's podcast. Cheers.